Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're home alone. You have an uneasy feeling in the darkness. Like someone or something is watching you. Why is it suddenly cold in this room? You hear footsteps, whispers, or even laughter. You go to check. You feel a presence behind you. And then the fear sets in. I'm K-Town, and you're listening to Paranormal Fears. that I wasn't the only one on Nantucket. 
And so I started looking into not just the history of certain places, but also possible ghost stories. And eventually it culminated in a tour that I put together called the Nantucket Haunted Hike. And uh, more substantially, a book called uh, Haunted Nantucket Island. Do you think that she was just telling you that there's no such thing as ghosts just to, you know, keep you from being so scared? Or did you think at, at heart she knew that you were possibly telling the truth about it? Um, I'm not sure. My, my grandmother was a very complicated woman. Um, she was somebody who was very much uh, excited about history and family lineage. In fact, she uh, managed to do most of our, our background uh turns out that I was related to most of the founding members of Nantucket Island, uh, including a man named Peter Folger, who was the grandfather of Benjamin Franklin. So Franklin was like a 13th generation cousin of mine. Um, I think in a lot of cases, she also had like almost not really a devoutly religious standpoint on things, but very much a a skeptical nature. I, I don't think that she was trying to keep me uh, calm. I honestly think that she didn't believe in ghosts, and she told me I was, in fact, she told me I was crazy for saying that. But then she just couldn't explain how I knew what my great-grandmother would do. Yeah. Um, what about any other members of your family? Anybody else that you know of has ever shared an experience, you know, with the paranormal? My mother and my sister. Um, my sister had once seen my grandfather uh, long after he had passed on. Uh, she had been sick one evening, uh, was lying on the couch in the family home, and woke up to see him sitting in this chair that we had taken from his house in Ma- uh, Dedham, Massachusetts. Uh, and he, she just looked at him and said, Papa? And he said, do I know you? She said, oh, it, it's Carrie. She goes, not my little angel. Told her to go back to sleep. So she had that in my family home. Um, my mother, at one point, uh, we had a very good friend of ours who had died of leukemia uh, some years ago. And it was New Year's. And she was, you know, having a toast in the living room with a couple of friends. And she saw Michael's picture. And, you know, here's to Michael. And the picture didn't just tip over, it picked itself up and put itself down and fell over. So they've had that. Um, That was in that house. Uh, My sister has had a few things in my other grandmother's house uh, where she had heard my other grandmother speaking to her long after she had died. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much as far as I know, uh, family uh, ghost stories. Okay. And, um, okay. I want to talk about Nantucket because you're originally from Nantucket, right? I mean, that's not where you live now, but you are originally from there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Nantucket, uh, it was, uh, originally settled by Quakers, uh, trying to escape, uh, England and, uh, you know, have religious freedom. Uh, believe it or not, they actually tried to live peacefully, uh, with the native population that was there at the time. And they ended up showing these Quakers how to uh, do basic whaling and with small whales that came into the harbor. 
And there was a man named Ichabod Paddock who learned very well uh, how to do all of this. Uh, eventually, Nantucket became a very strong whaling port. They actually claimed that there was not a single lamp in the world that was not lit by Nantucket whale oil. And uh, the whaling industry just made Nantucket the most wealthy town in America. Uh, there were a few things that led to its downfall. Um, one of them was the fact that they had to put the whale ships into something called a camel, which was essentially a smaller ship that would go over sandbars and bring the ships into the harbor, which was a complete pain. And uh, then eventually New Bedford became a whaling port. And with New Bedford came the railroad. And it was a lot easier to bring the whale oil to New Bedford and put it on the railroad than it was to bring it to Nantucket, put it on the camel, bring it into the harbor, offload it, and then reload it again later on, bring it back out of the harbor, and then find a way to get it transported around the world. Um, and then in 1846, Nantucket had a, a pretty devastating fire, uh, burned down most of the town. They, they claimed that it happened in a hat shop on Main Street. And it went on for a number of days uh, until the wind actually changed and blew the flames back towards everything that had already burned. But that was more or less the beginning of the end. Um, then in 1849, when they discovered gold in California, a lot of Nantucketers hopped on the old whaling ships, went around the Horn, and settled San Francisco, uh, including a family by the name of Folger, which is my family lineage, and they became the people who uh, are famous for Folgers Coffee. Really? Um, that's And then that's interesting. Um, yeah. Let me ask you something, just real quick, a, a little sidebar here. The the lady that was at one of the one of the victims that was at Charles Manson's. Um, Abigail Folger. Yeah, Folger. Was, yeah. Uh, yeah. Same same family lineage, right? Yeah, Abby Folger, another famous family that came out of Nantucket that a lot of people don't realize, uh, were the Macy's, uh, Macy's department store fame. Uh, the first Macy's was actually on Nantucket Island, and it failed miserably. <laughs> so they moved on to New York, and the rest is history. Got you. Okay, I didn't hear about Abigail uh, Folgers. That is the same, I mean, that's the same one, right? Same family? Yeah. That's the same family, wow. a, a second or third cousin of mine. God, God. Mm, mm. I saw those crime scene photos. They are just unbelievably gruesome. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. And it's weird. Too. We, I, People, we like to check into things like that because we're sort of drawn to the darker side of things, but we don't quite know why. And that's why I think things like that fascinate us. I, I totally agree. Um Oh, I didn't ask you this. Uh, do you want, why don't you tell us where Nantucket Nantucket Island is, and then give us some uh, describe the you know the the town or the city there. I mean, what does it look like exactly? Nantucket Island is uh, basically right next door to Martha's Vineyard. Uh, it's thirty miles off the coast of Cape Cod in Massachusetts. Um, you know, you go there now, you see these. Uh, cobblestone streets and uh, quaint little uh, uh, old houses. Uh, the best example is, to, if you want to know what it looks like, uh, the TV show Wings was set there. 
And so all of the external shots, for the most part, were filmed on Nantucket. So if you really wanted to know what it looked like, that's what it looks like. Okay. It sounds charming, though. I've, you know, I haven't been there, but I know I've heard about it, you know, in the past. Um, and what's the population there? Do you know? It depends on who you ask. Um, there are, it's more of a status symbol these days, like the rich and famous like to be there. So a lot of them like to consider themselves local, whether they're there all year or not. Uh, the local population ranges between five and 7,000, depending on who you ask. Gotcha. All right. Um, let's talk about your book. You know what, before we get into it though, you've had an experience, um, you've traveled quite a bit. And I want you to tell my listeners about that because uh, you and I had a conversation earlier where you you were in New Orleans, and as soon as you got there, you had a very strange experience. Oh, yeah. So you want to share that with us? Share that with us. Oh, yeah. No, I've done ghost tours. I started a ghost tour on Nantucket, like I said, and that got me recognition uh, working in New Orleans, uh, eventually in Gettysburg. Uh, I did tours for a man named Mark Nesbitt uh, in Gettysburg. Uh Let's see, I did tours in Philadelphia. Uh, I al- almost worked aboard the uh, HMS Queen Mary in California as well, uh, but that fell through, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, uh, when I was in, at the end of the first year of my ghost tour on Nantucket, I was hired to work for a ghost tour in uh, New Orleans uh, for the winter. And it was an amazing experience. I mean, that town is haunted beyond belief. Um, very much a party town, an awful lot of fun, a lot of great people, music, history, and so on. Um, but I did have paranormal activity happen to me there as well. Um, when I had gotten there, uh, I lived right in the French Quarter. And the man that hired me had picked me up at the, the airport, and once I got into the quarter, I got out of his car and I looked around and everything seemed familiar to me. And I had no idea why. Like I knew like if I went a block that way, there was a woman who used to make lemon cookies. And if I went a block that way, there was this and that and whatever. And it it confused me immediately upon getting there. Uh, The next morning I woke up and I, I was living, I don't know, two or three blocks from the Mississippi River, which I had never seen. And I walked down to uh, the water, and it was a very foggy morning, maybe about 6 a.m., and I saw this paddle boat go by in the fog with the word Natchez on the side uh, from Natchez, Mississippi. And it was almost like I had a weird flashback. Like Within a second or so, I knew where I was, why I was there, and what was going on. Uh, It turned out that the spot that I was standing on they used to perform slave auctions there. And I had this like nagging memory of being at a slave auction with my father and telling my father that I didn't approve of this, but he wasn't listening. And later I had to bring a, a sick slave back into town and I had to uh, bring him to a slave hospital. And that was just on the first day. I was very, very mystified by that. I didn't know you know, how I just managed to figure that out. But it also made sense because everything in New Orleans made sense to me when I got out of that car that day. And the ironic part about things is the slave hospital um, 
is the apartment building I eventually ended up living in. So that was haunted like crazy too. But yeah, that was that was my first big, uh, like I guess you could say, past life regression or something. Yeah. When I it was it was strange to me, but somewhat exciting as well. Let me ask you about the apartment building that you said you lived in that was probably really haunted. Did you get any stories from any of the the residents there? Oh yeah. Will they tell oh, you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I. My apartment, I mean, I had people who would come over and they'd see, like, people walking by outside on the little balcony, and obviously there was no one there. Um, I would actually hear whispers, and I was the only one living there. Uh, things went missing. In fact, I had a, a gold ring that I remember exactly where I put it, and when I went back to get it, it was gone. And I reported it to the police. And they said, well, you're probably never going to get it back. And then the day I was leaving New Orleans, I found it in a camera case in a closet all the way on the other side of the apartment. <laughs> but yeah. that was what I got. The guy downstairs had another uh, really good one where he uh, had gone out to get the mail. And when he came back, his door was locked. and He couldn't get in because the door was locked. He didn't have his keys. And he heard somebody rummaging around inside his apartment. So he started pounding on the door and shouting in there and saying, you know, I'm going to call the police if you don't let me uh, into my apartment. And throughout the whole time, he heard somebody inside just laughing hysterically. And upon telling them that the police were on the way, the door unlocked. And so he opened the door and walked in. And the only way in or out of that apartment was that front door. And there was nobody inside. That's so, that's crazy. Yeah, is, that is, was that was probably the best one uh, that I heard. You know, it beats whispers in a missing ring. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, New Orleans is really haunted. Um, I was going to go there. I think in May we were going to go, but I think we're going to push that trip back and uh, maybe go later on uh, in the year. But that's definitely on my list. Yeah, I absolutely have got to go back there someday. I, I really miss it a lot. So what did you do? Did you take some, I mean, were you living down there for a while or just visiting? I lived there for the winter of the first year that I did my ghost tours on Nantucket. Um, I had a competitor on Nantucket who made it very difficult for me to turn a profit that first year. And uh, so I started calling around different places around the country saying, hey, you know, would you like to come up and see my tour? And I got offered that job in New Orleans for the winter. Uh, and I lived in the French Quarter and started to learn an awful lot about uh, the town and the different ghost stories. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't living far from like the school where Lee Harvey Oswald went to elementary school or uh, the Mallory Mansion, uh, you know, that Nicolas Cage eventually ended up owning. And a previous guest of yours talked all about uh, I heard that podcast as well. But it was fun because the last night that I was in town, I was drinking with Nicolas Cage, and he he was pretty far gone, <laughs> you know. But he was he was pretty fun. Really, uh, that's awesome. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But there was a really good friend of mine I made while I was down there, uh, and my next book is actually dedicated to him. Uh, There's a man named Harry Anderson. Uh, he was the judge on Night Court. <laughs> And we used to drink together quite a bit at the bar that the ghost tour in New Orleans left from. Really? And, uh, oh, you're talking about like a literal 
Night Court or the Night Court series? I'm no. trying to. Well, the man who was the judge on Night Court, Harold T. Stone, was Harry Anderson, and he was a good friend. And uh, he had lived in New Orleans for quite a while. And uh, it, I have an autobiography called Nantucket Sleigh Ride, S-L-A-Y Ride. Uh, and I talk about the relationship that I had with Harry in that. Uh, he was a very good man, and he was a good part of what made New Orleans special. Well, that's awesome, man. That really is awesome. Um, so that the tour, um, just so listeners know, the tour that you, you worked for in New Orleans, it's still going, right? You just don't work there anymore? I am not positive. Uh, I know that the man who hired me eventually got a job in Philadelphia, and that's how I got the job in Philadelphia that I moved to. Uh, I think he sold it to someone, but this was... Uh, Free Katrina, he sold it. I know that the bar that it used to leave from, uh, they, the owners of that bar went out of business. But I don't know if they're still leaving from that location or not. All right. Very good. All right. So we're going to talk about your book now, um, Haunted Nantucket. And I know that you said you had some issues um, turning a profit, you know, that first year that you were there, but tell me a little bit about how you actually went about deciding the stories that you would bring to your, um, to your, what do you call them? Your people that you pay, that pay you, um, my guests, my ghost. Tour. Yeah. Your guests. Yeah. The people that take you, how did you decide which locations and which stories to, to at bring first, to them? Yes. Uh, at first, uh, I started it, and the tour was about three hours long. And of course, I started making you know jokes like Gilligan's Island, you know, a three-hour tour. And I I realized that was too long. Most people didn't want to stick around for that amount of time. Um, plus, if I limited it to about two hours, I could do two tours a night instead of one. So I did that. But I had to put together a walking route based on you know different stories from places. And here I was dressed in a top hat and a cape, so people knew I was telling a story, you know, right outside of whatever house I was in front of. Um, a lot of them came from personal recollection, from talking to people growing up, uh, living in whatever neighborhood. Uh, believe it or not, I would have people that would just walk right up to me and say, my house is haunted, here's the story. And I was like, can I show it? In a lot of cases. Uh, there were a few cases where I showed the story and the owners would walk up to me after the show, which I always appreciated, uh, and say, it's not true, is it? And I'd have to provide uh, uh, documentation in some cases to show them that their house had a story. Uh, there was one house where this woman had shot herself and her two children to get back at her uh, her ex-husband who had moved away from the island. And the owner of that house said, well, it's not true. Well, I had to find the newspaper clipping and show him that it was. And then he was like, all right, show the house. And and when uh, did that happen? Do you know what year? The, like the late 60s that happened. Mm. Uh, my mother had been a nurse for years at the Nantucket Hospital. And she said she had taken care of uh, that woman's father. And he was a sad man following that, she said. But he was a nice man. 
That's what she told me. And but, and yeah. what was going on at that location? I mean, were were they thought to haunt, still haunt the house? Is that why you were showing it? People would hear the children laughing in the back, uh, the backyard, uh, like there were kids playing, and there were no kids in the neighborhood at the time. Uh, but more importantly, uh, they would hear the gunshots. And at first, they just thought somebody was like, no, firecrackers or something. But when it kept happening over and over, they had no idea what was going on. And when I would tell that story in that neighborhood, many of the people in the neighborhood were very vehement uh, that I not come around anymore. Really? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) one woman even went to the point of closing down my tour one night. And so it, it was it was bad. Um. But, you know, that was one story, uh, and I got that just because I was having lunch one day next to the guy who witnessed it. Damn, mm, um, that's rough. So I, I guess they didn't want it to to have a bad, you know, that neighborhood, I guess, or that street or whatever, to have a bad reputation as being like something, you know, where murder occurred. You know, I, I, I understand well, that. Did you stop showing that house or did you continue to do it? But then, uh, when the owners of the house asked me to, I did. Um, but they did it the way that I would like to, you know, don't interrupt the tour. Don't hose it down, you know, come to me like as a human being after the show and say, Hey, you know, can you not do that? Then I'd be more than happy to, you know, bend over backwards for you. But if you're going to antagonize me, I, I'm not going to give you what you want. Yeah. You know, I, treat me like a human being, just like I would do for you. That was it. But a lot of people on Nantucket got very angry. Uh, there was even a teacher that I had at one point that I remembered him uh, as this boisterous guy who, you know, loved teaching more like a storyteller. And one day he went past and I said, you know, I, I remember hearing him like that. I was looking to get rid of the tour at the time and move on. And he just lit into me. He told me, no, I, you know, you bring a bad reputation to the island, and I don't believe in any of this. And I was kind of set aback by that. You know, I didn't understand how I, by telling ghost stories, I was bringing a bad reputation to the island. I mean, every town has ghost stories, whether it's a big city or a little town, you know. But I guess they just didn't want people to, to think that bad things ever happened there. Right. Um, let's let's talk about something else. It's on this. I think it's chapter eighteen. Is two demonic forms. <laughs> what is that? Um, let's see. It says somewhere on Polypus Road or something like Pulpus. that. Uh, okay, now I recognize this one. Yeah, uh, this was actually a woman who worked for the town who came to me one day. Uh had to be anonymous, didn't want people to think she was nuts. You know, I got that quite a lot. I, I'll tell you the story if you don't tell people who told you. Okay. You know, uh, she had had a, this little house on Pulpus Road that she had lived in. Her, I guess her kid was sick. And one day she just saw this face and it seemed like some kind of demon. Uh, that's what she said. She had told me flat out, this is a demon. You know, this was not a ghost. This was a demon. And it just came more or less out of the wall and jumped right up into her face. And she said that she had moved out not too long back, not too long after. Uh, but her kid, 
one day. They were driving past the house, a young kid. And he pointed at the house and he said, look, there's Darth Vader. That's Darth Vader. And he pointed at the house that they had lived in, but he didn't know that they had lived in it. And so I guess it was like a dark form that this child had seen. And she just kind of shrugged it off and, okay, and just drove away. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of a, kind of a, an interesting little tale. But all the same, it's I, I'm I'm not somebody who necessarily believes in demons, you know. But she claims that's what it is, and that's what I let her, you know, tell me it was. That was in her house. That was in the house. Yes. Mm. Did she witness any other phenomena in the house? Uh, uh, as far as I know, that was it. That's all she told me. That and that her son had seen a dark form and said it was Darth Vader. Mm, that's interesting. Um, let me tell you something else interesting. I heard, um, an interview with father Malachi Martin years ago, years, years, years ago, years ago, probably in the eighties, nineties. Um, he talked about, um, there was a series of demonic outbreaks in the Northeastern part of the United States for some odd reason. Don't know why it was in that part of the United States, but they noticed there was a huge, um, surge of demonic activity in the northeastern part of the United States, right up there where you were. So yeah. that is interesting. Um, let me ask you about, uh, there's another one that I wanted. What is Ch- Ch- I hate to, I, hate, I really hate to mess these names up. Uh, Chapino's right. Restaurant, something like that. Chapino's is now out of business, unfortunately. Um, but Chipino's was, believe it or not, a place that welcomed me uh, and welcomed me telling the ghost stories. Um, I guess there was a little girl that haunted the upstairs and would like try to open up bathroom doors or, or lock them from the inside with an eye hook. And uh, I, I don't know exactly how it came about. It probably was when the house was a private residence. A little girl had died in there. Because uh, there are a number of different ghost stories on Nantucket where the child died in the house because infant mortality was high back uh, during the whaling days. But this little girl would play pranks and they'd hear her running around. Um, but what I don't have in that book is the owner's wife, Susie. She was such a wonderful woman. Uh, she had passed on a few years ago. And when she did, I used to tell people that I like to think that Susie was keeping the little girl in check, you know, once she once she passed. And even her husband was like, yeah, she probably is, you know. But yeah, no, Nantucket's got a bunch of, like, little kid ghosts. There's another story in the book called Mercy uh, that I, I had put together where this family had bought a house. And it was haunted, obviously, or it wouldn't be in the book. Uh, But the mother thought that the child was saying Mary because she was saying Merwi or he was saying Merwi and uh, couldn't figure out why this would be the the child's uh, imaginary friend's name until she walked into the kid's bedroom one day and there was a teddy bear just levitating in the middle of the room with him. And it dropped, and the kid started to chuckle. And she, she 
what? So Merwi says she scared you. And they looked into it and it turned out there was a little girl named Mercy who had died in the house during the whaling days while the father was out at sea. And uh, later, the husband uh, that had bought the house, the kids were out at the beach one day and he was home alone and he heard a little girl shouting, Daddy, come here, I need you. And he, there was no one else in the house. So child ghosts are everywhere. Chipinos, uh, the Mercy House, you know, they're, they're everywhere. And sometimes people, I don't understand why they would be afraid of a child, like to hear a laughing child, you know, like with the gunshot uh, story I told you. You know, children laughing uh, kind of creeps people out. And I don't get it because it's one of the most joyous sounds I think I've ever heard. <laughs> Not when you're alone in the house. <laughs> I think uh, kids creep me out seriously, especially the laughing when you, I mean, it's portrayed and you see it portrayed in movies, you know, uh, yeah. they always have some creepy kid um, when oh, they really want to give it. It's just creepy, man. It really is. Yeah. I have a story in another book that I wrote, this is pure fiction that I wrote where there are this, just these twin kids who just stare at this guy the whole time. They never say a word. And, for some reason, I found that creepy, but they weren't laughing. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, that movie, The Shining, you know, that that did it for oh, me. There you go. That did it for me. I've always thought they were so creepy. But, um, yeah, uh, that's that's real interesting. I wanted to know, like, did you ever have um, like, you know, the restaurant welcomed you? And that's that, that's a good thing. But is, are there any other places like maybe a home where someone said, okay, yeah, I would love for you to tell the ghost stories where they actually allow you go in it, <laughs> go in their home and look, look around. Definitely. Uh, there was a man named Mike Feeney. Uh, he and his family owned an old guest house. I mean, it was no longer a guest house. It was their home, big, huge mansion on orange street. And he let me walk through and look around and when I would show off the house, he would even pick up his, his infant daughter and hold her in the window, like making her look as if she was floating around. And it was really cute. Uh, right across the street from him, uh, another man had a house where there was a, a whale ship captain uh, named Seth Cathcart. And I even caught him on the audio uh, as an EVP at one point where I had gone through the house and more or less investigated and it was very plain and very uh, noticeable where I just started off and I, ah, well, Mr. Cathcart. And then when you played it back, you just heard a voice go, yeah. And I played that on the tour for a while until one day I dropped the recorder and recorded right over it. And I kicked myself like crazy for that. But yeah. Oh, yeah. There were people all the time. Uh, there was another woman who uh, pointed out a house. She's, oh, well, my daughter and my dog, they swear this house is haunted. I've never seen a thing. Feel free to show it off. I'm like, well, what's the story? But she wouldn't give me the story. So it turned out that Kathy Lee Gifford had once owned the house. So I told the tour, well, that's scary enough for me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, Kathy's wild. Well, believe it or not, I mean, with all the BS that I went through doing tours on Nantucket and the people who gave me grief... You know, a lot of the celebrities were very good to me, including Kathy Lee Gifford. I mean, she would come by. She never had a mean thing to say to me. And that was very nice. Really? I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, 
people say, oh, well, you've met celebrities. It's like, well, yeah, I grew up where they all vacation, you know. After a time, they just become like other people. Um, a perfect example, Jerry Spiller uh, and his wife, Anne, they had lived on Nantucket for years. Uh, Jerry, of course, best known as uh, Frank Costanza from uh, Seinfeld. And I had met him when I was really young, maybe five or six. And we got to know each other pretty well in his later days. He even signed a copy of uh, his book, Married to Laughter. Uh, he signed that uh, to me saying that I was what the theater of life is on Nantucket. And I really appreciated that. You know, I mean, I, I, I could rattle off a number of names, but most of them are, are included in Nantucket Sleigh Ride. That's really neat there. It's the, what's, what is the, um, the old hospital? Oh, the old hospital is more than, more than likely one of the most haunted houses on Nantucket. Uh, most hospitals usually tend to be. Um, from what I understand, I, I got most of those stories from living in the building. Um, from what well, I, wait a minute, yeah. you mean, you mean the hospital was turned into like an apartment? complex okay uh originally it was three buildings uh that were connected in the center of each building uh those connections have since been taken out but you'll still find uh stairways leading up into like somebody's side yard uh where that connection used to be but they were three buildings on westchester street and they were uh they had seen you know countless deaths births what have you, uh, the ship, the Andrea Doria, uh, when that was ran by the Stockholm, they brought some survivors to Nantucket to that hospital. Um, but the one that became apartment buildings was the one that I ended up living in. And you had, I believe it was three floors, including the basement plus the attic. And from what I was told, the attic was the only room or the only floor in the building that wasn't haunted. Uh, they had seen everything from, you know, nurses in old uh, in old outfits, you know, holding someone's hand while they were crying, uh, to even in the basement, which you know, the former morgue, uh, it always had people, you know, passing by and, you know, knocking on things. Uh, there was one man who, every time he'd get in the shower, uh, his phone would ring, and this is the days before cell phones were uh, popular. And he'd get out, and just as his hand would be over the phone, it'd stop ringing. And one day he managed to pick up that phone, and it was just dead air on the other side. But it was every single time he'd get in the shower. Yeah, they would hear babies crying. Now, that'll, that'll scare me. Children laughing, that, that's all right. The babies crying, <laughs> you know. Yeah, they see, they've seen people walking down the hallway, you know, wearing fedoras, which nobody wears anymore. Unless they're cosplaying Indiana Jones. Yeah, the basement apartment. Yeah, the basement apartment was probably the most haunted one. Now, is there a graveyard near that uh, hospital? Oh, there are a lot of graveyards on the island. Uh, maybe about a quarter mile, there's a graveyard you drive through. Uh, Old North and New North Cemetery. They're both on New Street. And uh, one side even has uh, its own ghost story where there were some children who were playing in the graveyard. And uh, this little girl was seen, and they you know, asked her what was wrong since she appeared to be crying. And she said she wanted to find her mother. Well, they played with her. They were nice with her. 
and the little girl said her name was Mary Abby. And so they would see Mary Abby a little bit more over the course of the summer, and they'd play with her always in the cemetery. And then one day the town came in and pulled back some of the brush, uh, started chopping it back to reveal old headstones that had been overgrown. And not only was there a Mary Abby who was the right age, but there were about four other headstones of other little girls named Mary. And they were all in the same family. So, and that's, that's close to the old hospital. Oh, it is. Okay. And um, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, that's walking distance. Like you can walk to from the cemetery to the old hospital in five ten minutes. Man, I'm looking at I'm looking at uh, photos of Nantucket. It is just gorgeous. It's a really beautiful island. It, it is. Uh, the best time to go is not in the middle of summer because it's just a it's a circus. I mean, you you have trouble just getting down regular streets. Parking's for uh, absolutely horrendous. You know, but that's when everybody goes because that's when the kids are off. That's when the celebrities want to show. That's when they're on hiatus from whatever TV show they're filming. You know, but if you want to see the charm of the island, you know, the fall has always been my favorite time. You know, right when the leaves are turning orange. You know, plus it also gives you that that New England feel. You know, you always have that New England feel when you watch a a show. You know, like you know, you always see it in the fall. You know, with the old Victorian houses and so forth. And that's really the best time to see the island, you know, just when things are starting to settle down for the winter. What do you take it? Will you take a ferry over there that takes your car, your vehicle with you? or? Um, I don't suggest bringing a car uh, only because of how congested it gets. Um, but you can fly. Uh, it costs you to fly. Uh, the boats, yeah, they, they go over. Uh, there are two different uh, ferry companies that uh, bring you over. Um, and it's, you know, it's a quiet little, you know, two-hour boat ride, depending on the weather. But, yeah, if you fly in from Hyannis, it's 15 minutes from Boston. It's 45. And but, so, yeah, so there's an airport on the island? There is. Uh, wow. That's how the show Wings got its start. Is the Wings takes place at the Nantucket Airport. I didn't know that. Wow. Um, and okay. So I'm gonna give you an opportunity to share like one of your favorite ghost stories. It could be one that even, you know, that's not in the book or that you've heard about over the years. Can you share a favorite one that you have with us? I think that probably one of my favorite stories was featured on a show called Sightings, uh, back in the eighties. Uh, it was creepy. It scared the hell out of me as a kid. Um, there was a, to this day, they haven't said where it is. They just called it the Heartland Ghost. And the Heartland Ghost, I, it apparently was a small child who was haunting a house somewhere, you know, maybe Kansas. I don't know, like center of the country. And it would attack the father. Like the father would just be sitting there and suddenly have scratches that would appear on him. And they came in and they filmed for the show. And in the middle of it, just these welts and scratches started to appear. And there was a psychic uh, by the name of Peter James. And I, I was fascinated by this man. He had this snow white hair and this dark black mustache. He walked in and he said that this little girl was angry. And, you know, he told her she had to get out. And you heard this audible no scream from upstairs. And just watched Peter James just point. 
And I, I mean, that one just scared the hell out of me that somebody could get injured by something that they couldn't see. When things started with me was something I couldn't see not injuring me, but touching me. So it was like the opposite side of the coin. And that's what scared me for that one. Uh, ironically enough, later on, uh, I would talk to Peter James uh, on the phone and almost accepted a job with his ghost tour on the Queen Mary in California. So, Hey, um, that's a beautiful place too. I mean, I've been there to Long Island. I mean, not Long Island, but, um, yeah, Long Beach. Yeah. Yeah. I've been to Long Beach and it's, it's really beautiful there. And I had an opportunity to take that tour. Cause I mean, you can see the Queen Mary sitting there. Uh, right there, docked right there, and I, I didn't do it, and I regret it. But yeah, that would have been a great place to go. I mean, have you been there? I have not. Um, I I talked to him on the phone and did the phone interview, but things fell through, unfortunately. And uh, Peter has since passed on as well, so it's not like I would get much of an opportunity. And from what I hear, the Queen Mary has closed down as well. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's unfortunate. This has been great. Uh, I want to give you an opportunity to William to tell my listeners where they can find out more information about you or any other books you may be working on. Well, uh, you can always pick up any of my books. Uh, they're not all about ghosts. Uh, some are fiction. I have a couple of biographies. Uh, you can always get them at Amazon.com backslash author backslash WB Alexander. Uh, I'm also on Facebook, uh, facebook.com backslash WB Alexander. Uh, don't confuse me with the other William Alexander who wrote the book, The Goblin Secrets. I often uh, get calls asking if I'll do, uh, you know, signings of his book. And I, that's not me. I'm sorry. I'm not that William Alexander. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram uh, as WB Alexander or Will Bry, B-R-Y, Alex, 0928 on Twitter. Uh, presently, I'm also working on a couple of uh, sequel books to some of my fiction. Uh, one of them is a sequel to a short story book called 20, and it's simply called 22. And uh, I am also working on a story about an FBI agent who is uh, chasing a serial killer uh, but the serial killer kills in the form of other serial killers, so he's kind of hard to catch. But that is uh, the the basis of what I'm working on right now and how to find me. Very cool. This book is called Haunted Nantucket Island, and you can pick that up on Amazon. I will have the link in the show notes. William, many blessings to you, and I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening. I invite you to follow my other podcast, Mysterious Radio. Please share this show with others that are interested in the paranormal. I want to give a special thanks to our co-creator and executive producer, Kim Kyle, who brought this show to you today. And working hard behind the scenes, our team of four, I want to thank them as well. I am your host, K-Town, and you're listening to Paranormal Fears. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.